All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the fourth week in our biblical counseling series. Today's lesson is on worry, and this is an adaptation from some CCEF material and some NAIC material, maybe a little bit of Passeron sprinkled in there. I don't know. But I want to give credit where it's due at the outset. I drew most heavily from a CCEF booklet called Worry, Pursuing a Better Path to Peace by David Pallison. So we continue in our series looking at the issue of worry and anxiety. And I want to say up front, I'm going to use those two words more or less interchangeably during this lesson. So why are we talking about worry? The fact is we live in a broken and fallen world full of sin, evil, calamity, pain, and sorrow. There is suffering in this life, even for the Christian. There will be suffering in each of our futures. We are already united to Christ and adopted children of God, but we are not yet completely free from the presence and effects of sin and the fall in this present evil age. And so because of this, the temptation to worry is going to be with us in this life. It's always going to be lurking nearby. Maybe we don't worry, or maybe we worry that we don't have any true friends. Relationships often don't last in this life. Maybe we worry about ever finding a spouse, or if we have a spouse, we worry about their health or their faithfulness. We worry about our kids, health, finances, retirement accounts, reputation, job security, the economy, the direction of the country, the list goes on and on. And before we go further, I, I wanted to open it up and, and hear from you guys. What, what are some other things that we're tempted to worry about or any, any areas of temptation that, that you personally, um, especially see in your own life? What are some other things we are tempted to worry about? It can be broad or specific. Or elaborate. As a parent, you always worry a little bit for your children. Yeah. Are they learning what they're supposed to learn? Yeah. Are they behaving? Yeah. Are they, you know, growing in? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's probably my number one area of worry these days. Anything else? I kind of relationships for me in the big one just um, did I say something to offend this person or mm. how did I handle myself in that social situation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, absolutely. I came to, I, 
I let yeah. God use me to lead them in the faith. So, mm. you know, there's um, there's a responsibility there. You know, of, um, uh, for you know, trying to, to be a good example and trying to um, guide them along. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I, I feel that too. The constant pressure of in relationships, like, did I say the right thing? Did I represent Christ well? Or or maybe they could have taken this the wrong way. And, yeah. and yeah, it can I, I feel that too. Yeah, good. Thank you guys for sharing. Uh, as I mentioned, I I wanted to share. I'm I am currently tempted the most in the area of parenting to worry. I I worry that I'll do something wrong in parenting, maybe even on accident that's gonna just mess up my kids for life or uh, or scar them or uh, keep them from seeing the beauty of the gospel or, you know, my, my mind can go crazy. Or, or even with us wanting to, to move overseas eventually, it's like, how, how could this affect them long term? So the temptations are always there. That's one of the things I want us to see. Before we go on, uh, look, looking at your outline, um, we're, we're going to real quick define worry before we look at our main scripture passage. Because I think in our lives, we could easily confuse, confuse. you know, what, what's worry? Where, where do we cross the line from good, godly concern into sinful anxiety? So looking at, I think, A on your sheet, uh, the first blank is worry is not to be confused with diligent care and concern. Not to be confused with diligent care and concern. Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 11.28. And could I get a volunteer to to read that verse once you're there? Sure. Thank you, Harrison. Nice and loud so that my uh, phone picks it up. Yeah. Well, then maybe that. <laughs> and apart from uh, and apart from other things, there's daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Yeah. Wow. So what is what is Paul worried about in this verse? Yeah, you want to elaborate on that at all? Maybe that's all right. Yeah, Paul's Paul's just shared a litany of of trials that he's gone through. This is like the opposite of a bucket list, I guess. He's experienced danger from robbers, danger from his own people, danger in the city, shipwreck, toil, hardship, sleepless night. But then he says. On top of all this, there's the daily pressure of anxiety for for the churches that, that he cares about. So was was Paul wrong here? Is he is he wrong to feel some sort of anxiety for these churches? What do you guys think? Somebody wrote another letter being anxious for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say? He said so yeah, Will Will said that someone, a certain someone Maybe the same guy who wrote Second Corinthians also wrote "Be Anxious for Nothing." So, yeah, how do you guys reconcile that? What do you guys think? I think we don't have enough words for anxiety in our language. <laughs> that's that's yeah. probably true. Yeah. 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 One stems from a 
concern, right. the growth of, of um, those for whom he's responsible. Yeah, right. That's really good. Thanks, thanks for that, Harrison. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what love does. Love, love is concerned for the well-being of the people around us, especially the people closest to us. So I think you guys are right. We shouldn't say, "Hey, Paul, like, chill. Don't don't worry about you know, don't worry about these churches. Just let go and let God." That's that's not that's not the answer here. We see instead. I, I think, as Michelle said, perhaps there are not enough different words for anxiety in the English language because there, there's a nuance here that, that we want to pick up. Sometimes, like, in, like I would argue in verse 28, we, that this kind of anxiety is, is actually a godly concern, a sanctified anxiety that is actually a profound expression of love and faith. So we should be concerned with many things in our lives, such as carrying out our responsibilities, as Harrison's already mentioned, providing for our family, the salvation of friends and family members. Just to give a couple other examples. So I want us to recognize right now that our, our capacity to feel concern about the trouble in our world, that's actually a creational gift from God. It's, it's a good thing that we have that. And, and even anxiety can serve an extremely useful function insofar as it alerts us to underlying trouble and drives us to God. It can be like a warning light on the dashboard that points us to a deeper issue. So we are going to fly through some blanks. If you guys like filling in blanks, you're in for a treat. We're going to fly through these because I want to get to our, our main passage of study. But, but to lay some more groundwork, looking at B, uh, the, the, next, the next blank is planning that acknowledges God's sovereignty is not worry. And I encourage you to... You have time check out those those scriptures later see worry is unbelief and the solution is faith worry worry shows a deficiency in our faith we're going to talk about that more later d worry is an over anxious well so so yeah with d we're going to start we're going to we're starting to get into the difference between the godly concern that we just made a category for in the in the um the ungodly worry so so d is worry is an over anxious concern regarding what can't be controlled regarding what can't be controlled 
And, and next point, godly concern becomes sinful worry when, I'm about to list five things, and, and godly concern becomes sinful worry when any one of these five things happen, I believe. It doesn't have to be all five, but any one of these five things. So number one, when your thoughts are focused on changing or controlling the future. Number two, if it leaves God out of the picture. goes into sinful, harmful worry. If number three, your thoughts are unproductive, like you're just obsessing, you're caught in a, a spin cycle of going back and forth to the problem. Number four, it controls you instead of you controlling it. Or number five, it causes you to neglect your God-given responsibilities and relationships. This is a huge one. The very things that we worry about, that we want to try to control, are ironically sabotaged by our, our worry. We'll talk about that more later as well. So, E, the alternative to worry is not detachment, it is trust and contentment. Any of those blanks I need to repeat. All right, we're good. So, if you're just to give a, a tangible example once more, if your kid is diagnosed with, with an incurable disease, you should, you should lament, you should be devastated. God's not calling us to some like stoicism. You should cry out to God. You should be concerned and even anxious in a way to love and do whatever is best for your child. But the further question is, what do you do with all these feelings? Are you driven to an increased dependence in God and trust for him, trust in him and trust in the Savior who humbled himself even to the point of death on our behalf? Or are we tempted to erase God and to become full of worry, fear, grumbling, and bitterness? So those are the questions we need to be thinking about in our own lives. Now that we have a better idea of what worry is and what it's not, let's turn to Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. This will be the primary text that we draw from this morning. So everyone turn there, and could I get a volunteer to real, real nice, and, nice and loud read verses 22 through 34? Uh, Luke chapter 12. You can even stand when you read for bonus points. Yeah, Matthew. Thank you. You don't have to stand there. You're not feeling daring. That's okay. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. Thank you, Matthew. So first, let's remember Jesus' audience here. They were, they were poor. They didn't have health care. Having to bury at least one child was more common than not. If drought comes, people are going to die. Many of the things that we take for granted, like food and clothing, couldn't be assumed at all. And yet, it's humbling to think about that even though we live in an exponentially more prosperous time, we, we worry about fundamentally the exact same kinds of things often. We're tempted to worry about the same things. It's maybe more in the form of money and possessions at times than literally worrying about our next meal. But I want us to see that it's, it's the exact same kind of thing going on. We're going we're gonna to talk about why we worry next. This is important because we are going to be, in our lives, tempted to point away from ourselves and point to our circumstances. Maybe it's well, I worry because I haven't been able to pay off my debt. Once I pay off my debt, it's going to be a lot better. Or maybe I worry because this illness runs in my family. If it weren't for it running in my family, I wouldn't have to worry, but it runs in my family, so we could justify our worry in these ways. These are understandable reasons to, to temptation, but let's get some insight on how Jesus would diagnose these things. What's the root issue? So... I want us to actually look at the preceding passage to what we just read in Luke 12, 13 through 21, because this passage, uh, this, uh, what, what happens in these verses is, is what leads Jesus to start discussing worry and anxiety in verses 22 to 34. So who, who would be willing to nice and loud read verses 13 through 21 of Luke 12? Awesome. Thank you. This, this passage kind of makes me laugh because 
because of the translation man. It's, it's like Jesus is like, come on, man. Um, makes me think of Joe Biden, but Jesus was not using weird English, I can assure you. Um, wow, this is being recorded. That's, that could be taken out of context. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I want to I hear from you guys. Uh, before we go on, how do you think this passage might connect to and help illuminate uh, verses 22 through 34? Any thoughts? Mm-hmm. 
because they want that security. And, you know, God says that you're a fool to try to look to anything on earth right. for security. Yeah. And so it, it's better to, to, to be to more readily recognize the needs that way we can uh, go to God who is the source of mm-hmm. all security since he upholds everything by the power of his might. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you just said made me think of a profound quote. I hope I don't butcher it, but I think it's he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The the main connection that I want to draw out here, though, is the connection that Jesus is making between greed and covetousness and worry. So in verse 15, Jesus, so yeah, the guy the guy's, uh, says, hey, make my brother divide the inheritance. Jesus is like, come on, man. He, he tells, a, tells a, a parable about um, a fool who stored up wealth for himself but was not rich toward God. And then right after that, he starts talking about worry and, and trust our, our call to, to seek first his kingdom and to trust, trust our heavenly father. So that's, that's one of the main connections I want us to see. And this, this shows that Jesus is pointing to something inside of us that's the problem. In this instance, it's the man's greed. He doesn't explain our worries by pointing to the uncertainty of life. Instead, he says in verse 15, basically, guard yourself from every form of greed. And, and then in verse 22, he's, he's basically, again, warning against a kind of anxious greed. They, the crowds, they want something. They want food and clothing. They know they might not get it. It's not necessarily guaranteed. And so they worry. We can, we can think about it like this. When you shake a bottle of Coke, what comes out? Yes. I wouldn't know because I just gave up soda, but yes, I, I believe you. Coke. In the same way, when uncertainties and sufferings of this life shake a Christian, what comes out? Hopefully that comes in the spirit. Yes. Absolutely. Hopefully. <laughs> It's, I, I, yeah, to, to put it simply, I would just say whatever's inside is going to come out, whether it be the fruits of the Spirit or perhaps some, uh, some uh, uh, lack, lack of faith, some, uh, um, some anxiety. But what is in, what is within is, is what's going to come out. It's not that crazy circumstances are injecting things in us. So the root cause, I think this is one of the blanks. Uh, forgive me for not being more organized, but the root cause of our worry is not our circumstances. They don't put fear and mistrust within us. If those things come out when we're shaken, they were already there. This, this might sound discouraging, but I, I actually want us to find hope in this because if the root of our worries was uncertainty and, and trials that could come our way, then we would be destined to always and forever live in anxious worry because this life is inherently uncertain. We're not yet living in the new heavens and the new earth. There's no escaping this in this life. But on the other hand, if our worry comes from within, then by God's grace, we may take our eyes off of all the uncertainties 
and the things that we desperately try to try to grasp onto. And instead we can fix our eyes on our sovereign, good, heavenly father. So why do we worry? The next blank. We worry when our faith is weak. Losing sight of our loving father causes worry, greed, and close-handedness with what we have or want. And this chokes out our trust in him. Jesus says in verse 28, O you of little faith, wavering faith leads to worry. Here's another reason we worry. The next blank. We worry out of a desire to control the uncontrollable. To con- we, we worry out of a desire to control the uncontrollable. Look with me at verse 25. Jesus says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So in our worry, we're essentially acting as if we can control things through our anxiousness. It's, it's quite insane, actually, but in our worry, we are assuming the possibility of control of what's out of our hands. We think, you know, an example could be if I just get my diet and exercise right, then X, Y, or Z health problem can be avoided. Or if my retirement is at X level, then I'll, I'll pretty much be set and I, I don't have to, to worry. Something that hits uncomfortably home for me, or um, something that hits uncomfortably close to home for me, is, is the thought of if I can just do consistent discipleship and discipline of my kids in these specific ways, then I can basically guarantee how they'll turn out. I can basically guarantee their salvation. But we can't control any of these things. So we're tempted to obsessing, tempted to anxiety. Lastly, under why we worry, the next blank is we worry when we store treasure in the wrong place. When we store treasure in the wrong place, we often ultimately treasure things other than God. In a word, this is idolatry. Looking at verse 34, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If what you most value can be taken away or lost or destroyed, then you are setting yourself up for anxiety. This isn't to say we we don't value God's good gifts to us, of course. We we should. I know I certainly do. I I value my, my wife, kids, friends. I even value trivial things. Um, not in the same way, but I mean, I've, I've rediscovered my collection of Legos and with, with my girls, and it's, it's fun. Um, sorry, what's up? <laughs> yeah, Legos are great. But the, the point is, we cannot be holding any of these things with a closed hand. And in receiving these gifts, the point is that my gratitude and joy must ultimately be going past the gifts and terminating on God, who is the gift giver. So we should praise God for the, the gifts he's given us, but beware, because when we most value money or health or the dream of marriage, a particular friendship, success, reputation, whatever it may be, we are building our hope on the sand, because 
your treasure is vulnerable. That's your treasure. And when it seems threatened, which, I mean, it always is threatened. Any of those things would always be threatened when you really think about it. You will, you could be gripped with uncontrollable fear. So let us ultimately treasure Christ. Let us treasure him. The benefits of our union with him. Because these are irrevocable and immovable. This is the only sure hope we can have. So that is our ultimate treasure for the Christian. Our ultimate treasure and rock solid hope should be in the words that I think this is uh, the New City Catechism question one. But our, our one hope in both life and death is that we belong both body and soul in both life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I think I, think I, I included the diagnostic questions on your, your outlines, but here's some things to think about. Where, where do you store your treasure? Is it in iffy things that aren't guaranteed or in eternal certainties? What things in life are you tempted to try to control through your obsessive fretting? What in your life snuffs out your awareness of God? Why do you worry? Does anyone have any, any thoughts or reflections at this point? I'd love to pause and hear if so. That's good. Was that Timothy Dalrymple who said that? Uh, or? Theodore Dalrymple. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I wish we had more time to get into that some, but, but I'll at least say, 
I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we're, we're all wired differently. Different things are going on in our, our bodies, our, our hearts, our souls. And, and it's not to say that medication could never be effective or helpful for anyone. But your point is well taken that if that's, if that's our only line of defense, then we are doomed. It, you know, we, like you said, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue with, within our it's, – it's a moral issue, um, at least in part. Um, even if there could be other causes interwoven, more physical, but there's, there's a moral component and a, and a faith component and a relationship to God component. So if, if all you're doing is popping some pills and you're not also attending to the means of grace, um, you know, hearing, hearing the gospel preached week in and week out, uh, taking the supper, um, confessing your sins to God and to one another, uh, casting your anxieties on, on him, as First Peter 5 says. Uh, if all those things aren't also happening, you're 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 doomed to, to really deal with the problem, um, and to and to find and to to uh, be drawn to greater dependence in God by by your anxious feelings. Um, if you simply pop a pill and think, okay, cool. All right, yeah, may, maybe we'll have time for more questions or thoughts on that at the end, but. Next, we're going to talk about some, some of the grace and encouragement that God provides us in our temptations to worry and doubt his goodness. So I think this is the next section on your outline. Um, and I want to bring this up because obviously we're, we're told, uh, you know, Jesus tells us clearly not to worry. Philippians 4 says, uh, do not be anxious about anything. Um, but I want, to, I want to encourage us that this is not God just telling us to suck it up or giving us an empty cliche um, that we're just kind of band-aid over things. He is... He's, he's not, again, he's not expecting us to be Stoics or like Buddhists who renounce all desire to escape suffering. Um, don't be a Buddhist, guys. That's a, that's, good, that's a free application for you. But anyway, God in his word is, is uh, wooing our hearts and showing us his goodness and his trustworthiness and that only he is worthy of our trust and our worship. And so it is his goodness and kindness that should lead us to repentance of our worry and our lack of faith. God's comfort for his anxious people always stands right alongside his commands not to worry. I think we see this in in Luke uh, 12. So let's look at a few of these. Um, Number one in this section, your life is so much more than what you have or don't have. So much more to you to, to who you are than food and clothing, money and reputation. The rich fool in Luke 12 had it all by the world standards. Like this guy probably wasn't even working a nine to five anymore. He had financial security. He built, he built his barns. And yet what does God say? In verse 20, God says, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So if your life isn't made by money, then it can't be unmade by lack of it. Or think of, think of the young man or woman who, whose hope is in their appearance or athleticism. That's a losing bet from the start because aging is undefeated. It's, it's inevitable. The wrinkles, the knee injuries, they're, they're going to come. I love skateboarding, but I'm reminded when I still try to skate that I can't, can't just throw myself down things like I used to. I have to get into more technical stuff. 
technical tricks. No, no big stair sets for me anymore, um, unfortunately. But anyway, if your hope isn't in something unstable, then your life won't be shaken when it fades. Um, so yeah, again, our, our, our Lord says in verse 23, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Your life is more than whatever you worry about. Number two in this section, Jesus tells us to look around at the world. Look with me at verse 24. Jesus says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So he's arguing from lesser to greater. If God takes care of the ravens who they were... This was even an unclean bird, according to Old Testament law. They were scavengers and basically uh, thieves in the food they get. If, if God's even taking care of this unclean species of bird that, you know, they don't have grocery stores, they live in the moment and are still taken care of, how much more can you trust God to take care of you as his beloved child, as part of the body of Christ? Number three, what can you actually accomplish by worrying? Verse 25, Jesus asks, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So he's saying, worry accomplishes nothing. Why worry? Next, Let's remember that our Father knows what we need. Our Father knows what we need. Could somebody please read... Actually, I'll, I'll read verse 29, and then I'll have someone else read the following. But So look with me at verse 29. It says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. The word for worry here is actually even stronger than, than feeling anxious. It, it means to be obsessed and preoccupied. And so how many times are we preoccupied with things where our minds keep going back to the same place over and over? Now, could I have somebody read verses 30 and 31 for me? See what else Jesus says? Thank you. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that Hmm. That is an incredible promise. He's saying, look at, look at everyone else. Everyone else is after all this stuff. They're consumed with the here and now. But you have a heavenly father who knows your every need. So the question for us is, will we live like children of God, children of the God who didn't even spare his own son for us, as Romans 8.32 says, or will we live like the world? We can't serve two masters. We will either live for God or for something else, for God or money, God or fill in the blank. And of course, this, this doesn't deny our economic and material needs. Like we can and probably should say for retirement, you do need a job. These things are true. We're, we're embodied creatures who need these things, food and drink. But we are to look to God to provide, not to our frenzied efforts. Effort isn't in opposition to trust, but frenzied effort 
certainly is. So we need to be aware, yeah, not, not look to our idolatrous anxiety either to try to control things. So let's be preoccupied with him and his kingdom, trusting that everything else will fall into place. So perhaps the climactic reason that I have, I think I put some stars next to it. Pretty cool effect. But um, the climactic reason is that we have to not worry is that God promises us himself. Can somebody please read verse 32? Fear not. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. What I want to point out is that part of receiving the kingdom is to receive God himself. We receive adoption, reconciliation, fellowship, eternal fellowship with him. There will not even be a sun in the new heavens and new earth because God will be there. And his glory will give us light, the light of the land as well. Our final destiny is eternal bliss and freedom from the punishment, power, pain, and presence of sin. Complete deliverance from the sufferings of this present time. So what, let us, let us dwell on this. What do we really have to worry about in light of our sure future? Every tear is going to be wiped away. Sadness and pain will be banished forevermore. And so... Perhaps another application is try reading Revelation 21 in times when you're feeling bogged down by worry. And notice uh, what I love about this is that God does not reluctantly give us the kingdom. It is his good pleasure. Think of uh, Ephesians 2 where it talks about uh, his, his delight in showing us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness in Christ. Fear not, little flock conveys care and tenderness with Christ's people. And so again, it is his kindness that must lead us to repentance. What we have in Christ cannot be lost. So we unfortunately only have a few minutes, so I'm going to really fly through these eight suggestions for, for when, when we're battling worry and anxiety number one name what you're worrying about this is helpful because our minds go crazy and we probably feel like just everything's out of control but actually writing down the one thing or the handful of things that that are really worrying us can be really helpful so name it write it down confess it to God confess it to one another number two Identify how you're expressing your anxiety. We're all going to respond differently. Some of us panic. Some of us have repetitive, obsessive thoughts. Um, may get angry or lethargic. Migraines. We could be tempted to numb ourselves with binging on alcohol or Netflix or whatever it could be. But identify. Identify how, how you personally are tempted to respond so that these can become cues to you that something is wrong and you need you need to confess to God and cry out for help. Fix your mind anew on him and his word. Number three, 
ask yourself, why exactly am I anxious? Beware of the more trap and the different trap. The more trap is when we think, well, I would be set if I had more friends or more respect or more money, etc. The different trap is similar. It's thinking I would be fine if I had a different spouse, different church, different job, different house. Beware of these things. I mean, I guess it's also not to say that there, there might not be a need for something like a different, um, a different church. Like if your church is clearly teaching heresy or something, that's not the application. But, um, but don't assume that you know the grass is always greener. Basically, um, number four, meditate on whatever gospel promise most speaks to you in the midst of that specific worry. For you know, something I think I find myself returning to is just meditating on how fleeting this life is, that I'm going to die and I can't take anything with me. That actually really helps me. And it helps me remember that my true and ultimate hope is um, my, my ultimate hope, my inheritance, my salvation. These are secure and they're also not found in this life. And second to last one is go to your father. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast your anxieties on God, for he cares for you. Confess your faithlessness. Confess your misplaced hope. Go to him in prayer. And finally, I think, I think this is one of the most helpful ones, but be faithful to what God has... Oh, sorry, this is not second to last. I, I forgot about my final two that I added. But anyway, number six, or whatever letter that is, be faithful. The one with Matthew 6.34. Be faithful to what God has called you to today. Could someone, uh, real quick, please read Matthew 6.34 for us. I have Will Parker read. Oh, what? What? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Yeah. Give yourself to today's trouble, so to speak. Leave tomorrow's uncertainties to your Heavenly Father. So, example from my life, I'm freaking out, or, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my kids. I have to realize I can't, I can't do anything to guarantee how they turn out, guarantee their salvation. I need to give those things to God. But, of course, that's not to say there's not a whole host of things that I can do in this very moment or this very day to love and shepherd them. I can listen to them, spend time with them, read with them, lead family worship, give them my attention, get off my phone, pray for them, encourage them, discipline them as necessary. So that's, that's empowering to think of all that. So we got enough to worry about and being faithful just today. So let us give everything else to God. We, we are not in control. Um, we do not, it is awful when our worrying causes us today to neglect the very ways that we are called to be faithful and to love those around us. Um, we don't have time to do these final, or yeah, well, I'll just, I'll give you the blanks. Second to last is share your burdens with other believers. And finally, speak the truth.
truth in love. Which in, in, in Ephesians, that's more saying, it's not saying don't lie. It's saying, it's a call to confessing the truth of our Christian faith rightly. It's a call to professing gospel truth. So we build each other up when we speak gospel truth to one another. And I want to encourage us to do that. Be, out, be on the lookout for opportunities. Um, so, you know what? We have time. If there's just maybe one closing thought or question, we have time for one. Anybody? I just want to yeah. say psalm 55 22 okay awesome thank you and the, the, the dovetail to that is first peter 5 verses 6 and 7 it says humble yourselves into the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you at the proper time um, casting and then verse 7 is casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm. amen perfect way to end let me let me pray for us and y'all are dismissed Father, we, we need you. We are weak. We are prone to worry. We are prone to fix our eyes on other things. Prone to idolatry, to wandering. Help us, Lord. Please uh, help us to meditate on your, your word, your promises, your character. Let us fix our eyes on you. And I, I pray that even uh, that we would be, be quick to share our burdens with one another to when when things worry us to to share it with a brother or sister in christ um and to confess it to you and that and that we would find uh grace uh through these things that you would help us help us to honor you with our inner lives help us to honor you with our inner thoughts because you alone are worthy we pray this all in christ's name amen thank you guys you are dismissed